Early in camp, Randall Cobb asked you in front of your locker, said Mahomes <laughs> or Rodgers, you said, I think Pat is incredibly good, but A-Rod is on a whole nother level. He's amazing how he controls the ball, how he put everybody in place. I've been with a lot of quarterbacks, and I've never seen them carry themselves like Aaron Rodgers. It's one thing to be compared to Tua Tonga-Vailoa negatively. It doesn't hurt quite as bad when somebody is saying that Aaron Rodgers is on a whole nother level than you. I don't know that I agree with Sammy Watkins' assessment, but again, he wants his current quarterback to throw him the football, so there's the built-in bias. Um, Is it really that big of a gap, though, currently? Between Rodgers and Mahomes, Chris? I, I, you know, well, this is a good conversation. I mean, this really is. One, you want to go, well, why say it, right? Well, what, why, the guy, you won a Super Bowl with Mahomes, right? He threw you one of the great throws in the history of the sport when you're one-on-one with Richard Sherman, where when you hit that, we went, oh, my gosh, they're going to come back and win this game. Like, this is unbelievable, right? So, you know, one, I just I don't understand why say it. I know you want to sound like your buddy Aaron Rodgers and make sure he likes you and all that, but I do question that right off the bat, don't you? I just I don't get that. Uh, that's the first thing I'd like to say. And, and let me just say this, yeah. especially because it's Sammy Watkins, whose career has been all in all a major disappointment. Mahomes was responsible for the one shining that moment we in think his of career. him. Right, we only yeah. think of him. His highlights, his biggest plays are. Kansas City related, right? The Titans playoff game. Mahomes running around, throwing a in the AFC divisional play, bomb to Watkins down the middle of the field. I mean, so all his moments that a fan thinks about are all like, whoa, it was Mahomes in Kansas City. You know, so I, that's where I don't get it. Now, getting into the rest of it, like, yeah, I don't love, I don't think it's fair. I don't. First off, I mean, you know me. I would take Mahomes right now. I don't think there's anybody better in the sport than Mahomes. Last year, was that his best year? No, it wasn't. Coming off a toe surgery, right? He was a little, you know, undisciplined in some of the games like we talked about. But, man, when it matters most, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is about as damn good as we've seen ever in the history of the sport already. I mean, you know, I've never seen somebody do some of the things he did in the, the Super Bowl we lost. I mean, he was, again, I just like to like tell everybody, you flipped the roles, Mahomes and Brady, and Mahomes was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They would have won 70 to 10. I mean, they're really, I don't know what, so that's how special he is. Now, now the, the other aspect of it where I just go, it's not quite fair. And listen, you know me, I think Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback ever. And he's special. And Josh Allen brought him up yesterday. And I've had, as I've told you in the past, when I used to do my Bleacher Report podcast and I had players on, I always asked, who was the best player you played against? So if it was a defensive player. And you can talk to my old buddy co-host Adam Lefko. If we had 50 guys, 49 of them, before I got the question out, were like, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. And then like the one guy that said Tom Brady was Vince Wolfork. That was it. That was the only guy. So Rodgers is really, really special. But I don't think it's fair to compare them exactly – at this point of their careers, Watkins was young. It was young Patrick Mahomes. He's not, you know, he's still getting his footing in the NFL. You know, he's seeing Aaron Rodgers right now. Yes, the total general and can see the plays and the matrix in his head, you know, where you line up here, you line up there, do take, take these steps, do this, do that. So he's at a different spot. I bet you if he went back to Kansas City right now, he'd see growth from Patrick Mahomes in that department and go, damn, Mahomes is taking it to another level two here with you know where guys are at lining up you know what he does with the ball I mean I don't know Rodgers and Mahomes are the greatest I've ever seen with what anybody does with the ball I mean they're like trick shot artists they're special so that's where I don't get it but I do think it the the, the other point is I mean Rodgers is phenomenal Rodgers is you know, yeah, he's years down the road, but, I mean, those stats say it all. I mean, there's nobody quicker to 40,000 yards. There's nobody quicker to 300 touchdowns. The touchdown-to-interception ratio is off the charts. It blows away everybody in the sport. It's not even close. So we're talking about a guy that I think our two coaches that are on Football Night in America would tell you the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, a lot of people are afraid to say it because they're afraid to deal with the New England mafia and the backlash there. 
So he is up in that pantheon there, but I just Mahomes is on his way too. That's where I just don't understand why I say it. And and a couple of this too, Mike, just you know, I'm sorry to talk long here, but like I'm I'm passionate about this one where I just go like Rodgers didn't play for a few years and then 2008 it was good and 2009 it was whoa this kid's got a chance and then 2010 it was holy crap holy shit this guy's amazing and he's like maybe the most talented guy I've ever seen in the sport Mahomes sat in one year and in the first year just came out and was like we were like whoa MVP MVP is this is insane and making plays and throws and like stressing the Patriots the great Patriots out to where whoa Mahomes is gonna beat you if you know D Ford can line up on sides. I mean, so that's where I don't love the comment from Sammy Watkins. Mahomes is going in the trajectory to, you know, Rodgers, Manning, Elway, those type of players are all-time greats for sure. Mahomes potentially could be working on four straight Super Bowl appearances. Yes. There's only one that's their own damn fault, and it was when they got a little – careful in the second half of the game against the Bengals. Right. That's on them. Coin toss was the reason why they didn't get there in 2018. Yeah. In the loss to the New England Patriots. They get there in 19. They get there in 20. They ha- they're up 21-3. It was over. It was done. That's it. Thanks for showing up, Bengals. The Kansas City Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl, and we're going to see the Chiefs versus the Rams. I mean, that's, that's what we felt like was happening last year. And it it just it, it it it's again it's on them, but it's four straight years where they have been in it or close to it. He's accomplished more within the confines of his team than Aaron Rodgers has in his entire career. Been to two Super Bowls, Rodgers has been to one. Period. Been to four AFC Championship games in four years, and as you said, came out of the gates great. It didn't take a couple of years to ramp up and to grow into that. He was ready to go. And, he, and you know what? <laughs> I've said before, if they would have put him in 2017 when Alex Smith was struggling, who knows? Who knows? Maybe they would have right. had five straight Super Bowl appearances, uh, potentially, in Kansas City. So when we get to the late 30s of Patrick Mahomes, I don't think it's going to be a contest. I really don't. All due respect to Aaron Rodgers. Well, re- Now, are they going to have six or seven Super Bowl rings like they thought they'd have after they got the first one? Probably not but they're going to have more than one and Patrick Mahomes probably will have more yards, more touchdowns when he gets to late thirties than Aaron Rodgers currently. Has. But, yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, and, you know, I, I would agree with that, you know, and I think when you talk about too, you know, it's a great subject we're talking about here because there's deep and there's a lot of angles and there really is, you know, you know, to, to your point, yeah, I mean, playoff-wise, you know, just when they've both been in the league, yeah, I mean, again, the stats will show you. It's it's Mahomes has been better in the playoffs, period, when when you really want it to count. So you can't discount that. But at the because same- he goes for it. He doesn't, he doesn't hold back. Right. right. That's your criticism of Rodgers. Exactly he holds back right. too much in the postseason. No doubt about it. He's not worried about his quarterback rating or his completion percentage. And he goes, okay, if I throw a 40-yard laser down the middle and it's incomplete, so what? But if I hit it, oh, that team's in deep crap, you know? And he puts the pressure on you that way. So it, it's – but also, too, hey, Rodgers, we also got to take into account with that playoff conversation – he hasn't had the talent that Mahomes has had around him on the offensive side of the ball. It's one thing I'll stick up for Rodgers here in this department. You know, hey, if a guy can recover an onside kick in Seattle, he's, he goes to another Super Bowl. So he's had some things on his side. And I would also say, you know, a little bit of a bad rap, too, because he gets to the NFC Championship game. And I, this is kind of, to me, LeBron-ish. And even Peyton Manning early in the career when people are like, oh, he can't win the big game, where I'd go, yeah, those teams weren't as good as you think they were. It's just they were so awesome in the regular season and won games that they shouldn't have won because of the quarterback that we think they should be, you know, in the Super Bowl conversation. But some of the teams Rodgers has brought to the NFC Championship game, you know, like their team wasn't in the same class as really the Bucks, in my opinion, and he outplayed Tom Brady in that game, but the rest of the team failed him. They weren't in the same class as the 49ers. You know, the Falcons that year, they were there because one guy can make magic happen. 
So that's where it's unfair to Rodgers in the playoff conversation too. And, you know, but I'm with you. I mean, Mahomes to me is going to be in that class. And see, this is why I hold guys like Mahomes, Rodgers, Elway in a different class than maybe the GOAT, right? And I know we all got to say he's the GOAT, and he's amazing. I I don't want to discredit that at all. But these are guys that it's like, you guys are amazing. We're just going to make everything about you from the get-go, and you just carry us, right? Brady was not asked to do that until about year five of his career. It wasn't. It wasn't until about 2006, 2007, where it was all of a sudden, let's throw the ball every play. I mean, the third Super Bowl, go back and watch it, everybody. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles. It's ISO left and ISO right, and they can't score points, and the defense is keeping them in there. It's not the same. So not everybody's had that support system that Tom Brady has had, the greatest defensive coach ever, Hall of Fame corners across the board, Hall of Fame defense alignment, greatest tight end ever, greatest slot receivers ever, you know, Moss. So that's where, you know, it's a great conversation, but I'm with you in the fact that Mahomes is going to be every bit there and that guy as this goes on, and I think we're seeing it. And, you know, to what we were talking about with the Bills and earlier with Josh Allen, I think they're on a mission this year. I just I think they're a team that's on a mission. Mahomes looks as good as I've seen him look in preseason, and he's ready to go and throwing the ball as good as I've seen him since the 50-touchdown 50 50 pass year. It's playing out perfectly, too, for Mahomes because – and I remember talking to him the year they won the Super Bowl. That was the year that he was injured on a Thursday night against the Broncos, missed a couple of games. They held it together. He comes back. It was after they had that game in Kansas City against the Broncos in December. It was snowing. Yeah. It was the day he realized in the regular season because they – I can't – what year did they beat the Colts – that was 2018. Yeah, we were there. We mean, were there. Yeah, that was 2018. When he, when he played in the snow for the first time. And I was like – he explained to me. Right. I'd never played in the snow before, and I kind of like this. I kind of like how the ball feels. I kinda, You know, there's something about the just just enough wetness on the ball. And and so the, the day after they beat the Broncos, I, I asked him about, you know, you guys are just kind of like being overlooked right now. And he – Made it clear he kind of likes that. Yeah. Kind of likes right. being that team he that no counting. one's really paying attention to. Right. 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 He's got count- that sneaky that sneaky little low-key chip on his shoulder right. that, he, that he flashes from time to time in a very charming, likable way. He finds ways to do that. So he pays attention. He doesn't get snarky. He doesn't get mean about it, but he pays attention. And I guarantee you, he knows. No doubt. That it's all about Josh Allen. How, I I beat this guy two straight years in the playoffs. Yeah. It's all about Josh Allen. Okay. He's like Ryan on The Office checking his list. That gif that you'll see where Ryan, when Ryan came back after he got indicted and he's working his attempt again at Dunder Mifflin. And he, anybody who wrongs him, when he's back on top, he's <laughs> going to get him again. And and so, so Tyreek Hill says what he says about Tua. And you can laugh about it because it was kind of cartoonish. But that's another check for Patrick Mahomes. And now this Aaron Rodgers thing, even though it's you know, yeah. a more plausible argument, let me check it again. Yeah. Sammy Watkins, I made you, Sammy Watkins. You're a first-round bust that got traded up for and picked before Aaron Donald and OBJ. You're, you're, you're not even a footnote in the NFL without me. Check Sammy Watkins. So this is all playing out perfectly for Patrick Mahomes. No, no doubt about it. It's, I, I feel like they are. They look like they're a team with a chip on their shoulder. And, I, you know, again, I think that's why they're playing so much in the preseason because they know the AFC is real and they're going to hit the ground running and take, you know, take no chances here. But, yeah, to your point, Mike, you know, again, you know, I, I don't understand the, the little bit of the backlash behind Mahomes lately. I, I don't understand it. I'm like, I'm like dumbfounded. I'm like, what, are, are we not watching the same sport here, everybody? I mean, when Tyreek Hill doesn't play, the Chiefs offense, it didn't matter. What is everybody like? And, and I feel like the last two years when I've tried to argue that Tyreek Hill was one of the best receivers in football, everybody's like, you're crazy. It's Mahomes. And now it's like changed. I, I don't know what the hell is going on. Like, it's, it's, cra- it's crazy. But, but to that point in that 2018 game when we were there and, you know, I got hit by the ref and he pushed me around and all of that, he, he, th- that pregame, that was my moment where 
I had a moment like that with Aaron Rodgers on the field once where I'm watching Andrew Luck, who was amazing, and the ball is going through the wind and the snow, and I'm going, okay, he's doing okay, but it's, you know, the ball's fluttering a little here and there. And then I went down to the other side of the field, and I had to, like, wipe my eyes because I was like, wait, is the ball really spinning that hard in the snow and just cutting through like that? I was like, am I seeing that right? And that's how I was the first time I saw Aaron Rodgers in person. I was like, wait, is he really throwing a spiral that the ball is going that hard and spinning that fast? It's like, it looks like an optical illusion. I wish people could see it in person because it's crazy to see. We're talking about a guy that is on his way to all-time Greatville, in my opinion, and the guy that we're talking about him against already is an all-time Greatville. I mean, anybody that's played quarterback knows Rodgers is – maybe greatest arm ever, greatest accuracy ever, greatest decision maker ever, all of that stuff. So it's it's a great conversation, but I don't understand the disrespect of Mahomes. And and, and I know we have this, the playoff stats, the last two years, Rodgers and, and Mahomes. You know, to your point, you know, again, I, I will still say Mahomes has had more talent around him. There's no doubt. But Mahomes plays a style of football that it it, it is more – it's harder to play him in the playoffs because he's going to go go down swinging like you were talking about. He's he's not going to go, oh, well, I'm not sure. I'm not being protected. Let me check it down or let me be safe here. Mahomes goes for it. He throws the haymakers. And I don't know, you know, great talent around him or not, 28-7 and seven is significantly better than 9-3, and three, who, again, the guy on my left is my favorite quarterback ever. But, damn, Mahomes and them are – Mahomes is right there in that conversation. He's the new age Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, come back to Sammy Watkins needs to go to practice, you know, 10 years from now or when Mahomes is in year 16. And I think he's going to see Mahomes is on a different level too. He doesn't have to. Rodgers is at a point of his career where he doesn't rely on his athletic ability all the time. Why? Because he can't as much. So he's got to be, like, precise with all that. Mahomes is still in that thing we talk about. You know, even if the play breaks down, it doesn't matter. He can still make it look great. So that, there's there's a difference there. And they trade Tyreek Hill. They lose a guy who's going to command extra attention in any offense he's in. So they have to pivot to another stop. But once Tyreek Hill on his podcast, it needed to be said, said how frustrated he was last year. And he treated it as a badge of honor that he didn't take it public while it was happening. Well, you took it public after the fact. And you help us all understand the kind of stress that you were adding to the team and the offense by constantly complaining about the number of times the ball's coming your way. I think it was the Cooper Cup effect. I think there were probably a few receivers last year who saw what Cup was doing thinking, I'm better than that guy. If I had the opportunities, I'd be the guy everybody is saying every week, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup. They'd be saying it about me because Tyreek Hill still had plenty of footballs thrown his way last year. I think the most in his career. But it wasn't receptions, right? Yeah. So, so now you eliminate that from the mix. And yes, you're taking away who got a guy who always gets double coverage. But we, we, I feel like we've said this multiple times, but I don't think it can be overemphasized. Now you let Patrick Mahomes just go run the offense without this burden of worrying about what Tyreek's going to complain about now. What's he going to be mad about after this game? Oh, he only had seven receptions for 120 yards and a touchdown. He wanted 15 receptions to keep up with Cooper Cup, right? Now I can just throw the ball to whoever's open, and nobody's going to say a word about it because we're going to get down the field, we're going to score points, and we're going to win games. Here's Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, talking about Mahomes this year distributing the ball six different receivers in week one of the preseason, seven in week two. Here's Bieniemy on Mahomes. Do you get the sense that Patrick is there's feels a little bit of pressure to find a certain receiver right now, and maybe that's leading to some of this early success in the past game? You know, I don't. Let me just say it this way, and hopefully, I understand your question the right way. I don't think he's feeling any pressure to get rid of it. I think he's just doing a great job of distributing the football. Uh, the thing that I think that we've added, and obviously. We, we know what took place this offseason. We've lost a, a great player who's going to continue to be great. But the thing that we've added, we've added some pieces. And these guys are doing a heck of a job. And I think we have a lot of depth at many positions, you know, not just at the running back position. we got depth 
at that position as far as the receiver room and the tight end room. And Pat's just doing a great job of distributing the football. And the thing that he does in practice, he finds all those guys and it keeps, keeps them all involved. So everybody's working to get open. And so I just think that's the chemistry that's being formed. And you see guys just working to improve upon it. Look, it's funny because the question was was leaning toward the whole Tyreek Hill isn't here to demand the football, and Biennemi diplomatically backed away from that. But the bottom line is Mahomes has the ability, and as he gets deeper into his career, something we've said before but can't be overemphasized, he has a greater database right. of formations, of film, of trends, of little things, and he'll get to the point where he'll know before he even has the ball whether or not his first read is going to be covered. He can already start through his progression before he has the ball, just like Tom Brady, and I think that it's, it's, it is it's is only going to get better for Patrick Mahomes. No doubt about it. He's he's all in. I mean, he's all in. He's He watches everything. He's a great sports fan. I mean, I don't care what sporting event you watch. Like Patrick Mahomes, he's tweeting at it, and he's got a day off. He's, he's He loves it all. He's embracing everything. And to me, he looks like he's, you know, cleaned up some things with the mechanics. The foot's better. I mean, it just all. And then he's running the offense to a T, and then we know he's going to make magic like this here. I mean, come on. Who does this? Who does this? Aaron Rodgers used to do that, but not to this extent. Not like this guy. I mean, this guy's done, This guy, for the first two years of his career, we went, whoa, you can't throw that. Oh, he got it. He got it in. Whoa, you can't. Oh, my gosh, he got it again. Oh, my, I mean, come on. What? What? Who does that right there? Like, who does that? Chest to the target and just like, whoa. And like, what? He's a freak of nature. We're talking about an all-time great of the all-time greats already, in my opinion. He's going in that direction. It ain't going to fall off. And, and Mike, to your point with the Tyree Kill thing, I think you're very spot on. You know, when you have a great receiver, there is – the quarterback feels the pressure already. He knows. He knows, oh, my guy hasn't got the ball. He doesn't need to hear it during the week or during the game. You know, and 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 Patrick Mahomes, 13 interceptions last year. Go back and watch the tape. Three, four of them, five of them are because Tyreek Hill didn't drop didn't catch the ball. They go through his hands, bat it up in the air, right? Misses the ball against the Bills in the regular season game, bat it up in the air, pick six. Right, so he's not necessarily like Johnny dependable with all those plays too. Think about the Super Bowl against the Bucks. Makes a great throw down the sidelines. Tyree Kill catch, goes up at the one yard line and hits him in the face. They hit him in the face to be a touchdown. So I mean, Mahomes is a magic man, and 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 I got to play with a guy like Joey Galloway. Right, and my career I know wasn't Jack Diddley squat, but my one year of really playing or one year and a half, like. Joey Galloway, thank God he was a great receiver that was a superstar that was not, you know, that guy on the sideline that was like, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. I knew when we hadn't given him the ball, I was feeling it. I wanted to give him the ball, and I knew he deserved the ball. But, hey, the offense, the game, it wasn't going that way. So I didn't need to hear him like, hey, Sims, come on, throw me the freaking ball. I'm open. What the hell? What? I mean, that would have just made it worse. So that doesn't add to, you know, support or good chemistry if that's going on in your building. And you and I have both heard that's kind of what was going on there a little bit. So he said it himself. Exactly. He said it himself. So there you go. And I just, listen, it's a great conversation. I don't know why Sammy said it. And everybody's got to, I don't know what everybody's looking at. Mahomes is like already on his way to the greatest of the greats here. He's going to be up there with Manning and Brady and Rodgers and and all the other ones, Elway, Marino. I mean, he's already on that way. So I, I'm just, I'm, I don't know why Sammy Watkins said it. Back to Rodgers. He won't be playing in the preseason finale against the Chiefs. So yet again, we'll be robbed of Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that Mahomes is going to play in the game either. Yeah, We've been right. waiting for Rodgers Mahomes forever for a long, long time. <laughs> we thought we were going to have it last year. Damn. And a little COVID thing got in the way, right. and that was that. You weren't here yesterday, as we've already established. Miles Simmons and I spent some time talking about the Devontae Adams remark that was from the Pivot podcast last Wednesday about the impact that Aaron Rodgers has just with his mere presence at OTAs. Adams said it before Rodgers said it doesn't matter if I wasn't there for the OTAs as it relates to the young receivers. And I'm paraphrasing Adams here. 
But Adams basically said, this guy's got the Michael Jordan effect. And just having him out there makes a difference. Because on years when he was at OTAs, if they gave him a day off, you noticed that he wasn't there. Right. It's somebody else that keeps you on your toes. It's somebody like having a coach on the field. And he lifts you and he elevates you. And that's one of the reasons Devontae Adams became the receiver that he is. So Aaron Rodgers, yet again, we reject completely and entirely your position that the fact that you weren't at OTAs has no relevance to the current status of the development of your young receivers. They would be farther along and better off if you'd been there. Yeah. Uh, like we said, it can't hurt. I'm not saying it's a game changer and it, it you know, Rogers is still going to be awesome, but you know, to, to your point and what you said all along, are they maybe a week or two further down the road? If he was there in OTAs, I'd like to think so. I would. And it's a very real thing. There's no question. You know, again, I, I didn't get to be always on the practice field with some of these legends, but man, I mean, on the practice field when I was working in New England for a little bit, I mean, yeah, you know, Brady's energy was felt through the, the, the field. Usually the quarterback loves football as much or more than anybody on the team. So they're happy to be out there, even though it's practice and you're like, oh man, you know, Brady had a great way of, yes, hey, you knew he was the general and you had to be on your game, but he also would, you know, throw a laser and like, oh, how do you like that? And, you know, say things like that to where the whole team and the receivers and everybody's energy picked up, you know, throw a ball right into somebody's face and the receiver would catch it. Yeah, I'm throwing lasers today. Get it going. And uh, that's that's the the energy that I think Devontae Adams is talking about. and, And that's what the great ones do bring to the table. Meanwhile, anyone out there who's watching or listening who is a Seahawks fan is is thinking, wow, all this Mahomes and Rogers talk and and we've got to choose between Geno and Drew. Drew Locke. <laughs> uh, Geno Smith will indeed start the preseason finale. He's three for three in the preseason. He got the second start because Drew Locke ended up with COVID. Locke will play a lot against the Cowboys. Pete Carroll, who made the disclosure yesterday on 710 ESPN, said it doesn't mean that Smith will be the week one starter against the Broncos. He hasn't made a decision yet, he says. If he has, he's keeping it close to the vest. Earlier this week, Chris, he actually didn't rule out the possibility when he was asked the question of whether he would use both guys. Yeah. He didn't say that that's impossible. Now, that may just be something for folks to think about as he keeps it a secret as long as he can. But... Yeah, he's very self-aware. He said, I'm aware of the remark that if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. We think maybe there's a chance we have two number ones. I I don't think that's what's going on in Seattle right now. They've moved on from Russell Wilson because he wanted out, and now they have a couple of B-level guys. And I'm sorry, but that's where they are. Nothing wrong with being a B-level quarterback in the NFL. No. You're still a B-level quarterback in the NFL. But Geno Smith hasn't been a consistent starter for a reason. Drew Locke never made it in Denver for a reason. Lost the competition last year to Teddy Bridgewater for a reason. Wasn't ready to go when he had a chance to play last year for a reason. Right. And now those reasons are competing with each other to see which guy can rise a little bit above the other. But what's it ultimately going to mean for the Seahawks? It's going to be difficult for them to establish anything this year. And I'm a believer in Pete Carroll's Seahawks. I'm not going to write him off. Yeah. But you better hope one of these guys seizes that job and performs well, or you're going to have a tough year postseason, first season without Russell Wilson. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. Yeah, they're, 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 they got an issue here. It's, it's two guys that, yeah, got a little talent, but they're, you know, there's some flaws in their game. They're unproven commodities. Can they really do it for a 17-game stretch? You know, I don't know that about either one. So, yeah, that's not the best situation they're in. And I don't know, Mike, you, you tell me, just, you know, Reading between the tea leaves here the last 10 days, I feel like, like, is where I felt like, oh, Gino is definitely the guy. It, it feels like they kind of want Drew to, it's, it's gotten closer. I don't even know how to describe it, but I just feel like the, the cryptic language of the coaches and the press conference sounds like maybe they haven't been as happy about some things Gino has done or whatever here. And, you know, it is a little closer than we think. So I don't know, Mike. I don't know if you got the same read I do, but I just feel like that over the last week or so. I think they want to give Drew Locke every opportunity to 
to take it. Right. To just take it. Somebody's got to rise up and take it. Somebody's got to grab the brass ring. Gino hasn't done it yet. And so by saying that Locke will play a lot against the Cowboys, I think they're hoping for the kind of performance where it's a no-brainer. And, and again, the locker room needs to be behind it. So far, you haven't heard any chatter about players lining up behind one guy or the other. D. Eskridge yesterday was very, very diplomatic about it saying you know it's even and I'm behind both guys and the two guys involved have made it clear they support each other but I think that's part of it too you need to ultimately take the pulse of the team and get a sense of who they're going to better react to and whether they agree with your assessment as to who it should be and through it all through it all whoever the eventual starter is going to be is having fewer chances to get as ready as he can be for week one as they drag this out and drag this out and will continue to drag it out do you think they're waiting for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think so. I don't feel like it. I, I don't. I don't know. I just. I. I have a. I, I have a hard time thinking that. I mean, first off, G, Jimmy Garoppolo has not exactly like played great when he's played against the Seattle Seahawks. So they've gotten some look. I mean, we can go back to their game in Seattle last year. He made some bonehead plays that you know allowed Seattle to beat them. Or yeah, it, it did beat them. You know, I. I Jimmy Garoppolo, again, is going to be in another situation where we talk about where if he goes up to Seattle, he's not, he's going to be the third most physically gifted guy on the team. He is. They're going to go, whoa, his arm's not as good as Geno's. His arm's definitely not as good as Drew Locke's. Whoa, he's not as big as them. Whoa, he's not as athletic as them. You know, Again, that's where I, I have trepidation about Jimmy Garoppolo. One, we, we know the stories about off the field. You can talk to anybody in the NFL. It's a little weird there. And then on the field, like, yes, he's done good things. I understand. But also he's had the benefit of having maybe the two best offensive minds or the guys that are, you know, two of the five best offensive minds in football the last few years who can just set, you know, put things on a silver platter for him. So uh, I, that's where I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't, I don't know why. I just don't feel that way. I still feel like the Texans at some point, if he gets released, are going to be in the team that calls Jimmy Garoppolo and signs him up. That's what I've been saying for, for yeah, months, right. that they make the most sense if he does get released, and who knows what the 49ers are going to do. But from the Seahawks' perspective, hey, they got to figure something out because Russell Wilson isn't walking through that door. Oh, wait, he is. Monday night, week one, and you better be ready for it. And I'm not feeling very optimistic about it for the Seahawks, but uh, we'll see what they decide to do. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return... A former NFL coach who really provided us with the ultimate reality show every day he walked through the door is now going to do a reality show. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Two weeks to football season. If you are looking for some fantasy football help, we've got you covered. Here's where you can find all of the Matthew Berry fantasy content. And a reminder, watch the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry weekdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, only on Peacock and SiriusXM 85. Well, Mike, a little grab back. Well, yes. I was going to say, what they do? They, they got scared of us talking about the beer and all that, so they, they took that off the, the graphic. Oh, the now. beer's yeah. gone? Yeah, the beer's oh. gone, right? Oh. He said it himself. He's going to drink during the show. All right. So, I mean, I, they put a beer on the graphic for a show that's on it. There it is. Boom. It happy hour. So we will comment on the fact that you're going to have a few happy hours in the afternoon if you're drinking beer at lunchtime. And I don't say that I, I, I oppose it. I condone it. I can't do it. I encourage it. I never could do it, though. I just I could never. I can't. I can't drink in the middle of the day and still be well, eating I, a little and be functional. It just, I just can't do it. I don't know. There's something that's not right with me there. If I start before 5, that, that's the thing. When do you stop? Like when, Exactly, like, right. And how do, you, how do you space it out? And, you know, do I wait three hours for another one? Like, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy it until after I've worked out, which is usually late afternoon, and then I – that's a reward. I'll have, uh, I'll have a little drink, a little wine with dinner, whatever the case may be. All right. Fill in the blank time as part of today's grab bag. And this is coming off of the Tyron Smith news that we talked about earlier in the program. Torn left hamstring out possibly multiple months. The quarterback in the NFC East under the most pressure this season is who? Ooh. Wow. I, all, all of them except Dak Prescott are under pressure. I mean, in, in my opinion. I mean, it, this is a pressure-packed group, actually. I 
Man, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. You know, and I, I don't say that easily because I mean Daniel Jones is fighting for his life, and so is Carson Wentz. But I guess Jalen Hurts. You know, it's it's the a little bit of the questions around him still, and then of course. I think we look at them as compared to the Commanders and Giants and go, whoa, their team is really good. You mentioned it, you know, early on in the offseason. You know, there, there's not a whole lot of excuses here. The team is really great offensive line, great receivers, really good tight end, good defense. So I, I'll go with Jalen Hurts just because it, it'll really be, if they fail, the spotlight will be on him. And, and Miles and I were talking about this yesterday. Comparing Tua Tagovailoa, Daniel Jones, and Jalen Hurts, which doesn't belong and why. Look, from my perspective, I feel like Hurts is the guy that the Eagles are still kind of low-key looking for an upgrade. Even with A.J. Brown there, they've had that wandering eye. And, and, and Hurts is fine with it. He's completely unaffected by it. I think there is pressure on him, but I think the most obvious pressure is on Daniel Jones. He's yeah. in the contract year. It's prove it or out. They didn't right. pick up the fifth-year option. There's already people like Michael Irvin calling for Tyrod Taylor to play. And I feel like if he struggles, it will be Tyrod Taylor at some point. It will be Daniel Jones out the door. And then he enters the Mitch Trubisky phase of his career. Maybe be a backup for a year. Yeah. Maybe be a placeholder starter thinking that I'm the guy until the team that signed you drafts someone in round one, and then you right. got to compete with him, and then you got to be the backup. And, and then the question is, how many years are you just taking a paycheck to stand on a sideline? And, and it's, not, it's not bad work. It's good, honest work, and it's probably more than you're going to get anywhere else if you're getting three, four million a year, if you get into that, that kind of a stratosphere. But this is it for Daniel Jones, his chances. He's not going to be like Carson Wentz, who's going to get two or three chances to be a starter. I think this is it. Yeah. I think if he washes out this year, he's perennial backup right. until somehow he maybe gets a Nick Foles moment and people say, well, maybe we can make him a start. Agreed. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that, you know, the Carson Wentz thing is interesting. You're right. Because Carson Wentz, he got those these three years because why? We saw a year where he played MVP-level football. We saw another year where they got in the playoffs and he really carried the team down the stretch. So everybody's seen that to go, wait, I think we can make that happen with him too. There hasn't been that with Daniel Jones, and yeah, there, there's tremendous pressure. I mean, that, that those three right there, yeah, they're definitely fighting for their their NFL careers here this year. Take your pick: the 2021 division winner most likely to miss the playoffs this season. In last year's division winners: Cowboys, Rams, Packers, Bucks, Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Titans. Which of those eight is most likely to not make it at all to the postseason field? I'll go with the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are, to me, are, are actually the pretty easy pick here for me, at least. And, and again, it's you know, it's not easy. I know that, and we always have teams that come out of nowhere and bump other teams out. But you know, just as we discussed, with no Tyrone Smith, you know, few injuries, Michael Gallup, few guys missing, no Randy Gregory. You know, again, the defense, yes, it was better last year, but it wasn't like you know, I, people I think made a bigger deal about it. Like they were, it was like top five in football. I mean, if I remember correctly, it was nineteenth in football. We acted like it was the eighty-five Bears. So, um, yeah, I I could see the Cowboys missing out on on the playoffs this year. My first thought was the Cowboys, but when you consider the rest of the conference, there's still a pathway to maybe steal the seven seed, maybe. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you don't win your division in the NFC East, it's typically the kiss of death. But maybe this year, maybe they can string enough wins together. I'm going to say the Titans because if the Colts win the division, how are the Titans going to get a playoff spot in an AFC that has so many great teams? Now, maybe the AFC West teams sufficiently cannibalize yeah, each other right. and the Titans can fatten up on the Jaguars and the Texans, but... I think I think the Titans could very well go from one seed to on the outside looking in just because the AFC is so damn good right now. All right, what's more likely? Rex Ryan wins the amazing race and he will be a contestant on that program this year or Tom Brady actually is a contestant on the Masked Singer, what's more likely? <laughs> That's funny. Well, there's no way Tom Brady is on the Masked Singer. So then I'm going to go with Rex Ryan wins the amazing race which is hilarious that he's doing it all together. I mean, I wonder if he has a – I wonder if this is, like, one of his favorite shows, and that's why he's getting involved in this. But I don't know. I might have to tune in just a little to see this and see how it goes. I, I know of the show, you know, the basic premises of it. Um, but, yeah, pretty funny to see a, a head ex-head fo football coach doing that.
I say this in part because it's not an NBC show, but this is the 100% unvarnished truth, which is what I always tell. I hate it when somebody says that because, like, oh, well, tell us when you're lying then if you're going to make sure you're telling us this is the truth. But this is the truth. I've never watched a single episode or part of an episode or just happened to trip over the amazing race. I've never seen it. I don't even know what it's about other than it's a race that apparently is amazing. They have, like, tasks all over the world, and they got to go, you know, all over the place and – you know, I don't know. They give them like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm like you to the point where I, I, I flipped on it and I've sat there and watched it a little. But, yeah, it's like uh, I don't even know what to say. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's they got they got tasks or little journeys that they got to go on and who can finish it the fastest and all that. Then you win. So you might have to watch Rex do it a little bit. Probably a few F-bombs bleeped by Rex Ryan, unlike his last reality show, Hard Knocks, where uh, he was the star of the show and he won a lot of people some Emmys just by Rex being Rex. All right. um, Bill Belichick was uh, and is uh, or has been, I don't know if it's still going on, in Las Vegas for joint practices with the Raiders. The Patriots got a tour of UFC headquarters. Dana White actually gave Bill Belichick a championship belt. I wonder if you can use that as a weightlifting belt, too. I'm not sure. It's basically the same same structure, just different finish. Um, the current NFL player that would make the best UFC fighter is who? Ooh, wow. I mean, I, I always think about, like, Aaron Donald right away. I mean, that's usually the guy I think about just because I go, whoa, like, yeah, good luck dealing with the guy that quick, that fast, that strong. I mean, he he's one that comes to mind right away. But so I'll go with Aaron Donald. I will. I, I, he's the one. But man, there are some like left tackles and things where I'd want to go. What have he got in the ring in the heavyweight division? And you had to see Orlando Brown coming into town. I I don't give a damn who's in the UFC. There's going to be issues if you know they could get get coached up on some of the fighting skills and all of that. First guy I thought of was Chandler Jones because his brother was a UFC champion. Oh, good and I one, yeah. They beat the crap out of each other growing up, so right. he knows some of the moves. Chris Jones is the guy that that I think would be. If you're looking for someone, heavyweight division, that would, would be a badass, that would take you apart quickly, I think it would be it's Chris a good Jones. One. That's a good one. I do like that. You're right. I mean, defensive tackles, we know. They, they're mean and nasty, too. I did, you know, t- like – the, the Watt brothers, I think about them as well a little bit because of like what you said with Chandler Jones. I mean, the, the, that house, I, the, you know they were fighting and wrestling and a bunch of crazy psychos too. Uh, Can you imagine the furniture those guys broke? Oh, I, well, I remember J.J. Watt made a comment on Saturday Night Live when this his opening monologue where like they used to fight over like the video games or the controller or something like that. And like – he was like, no, my mom literally used to throw it down there and be like, go fight for it. And they and like everybody laughed and he was like, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> so I do think there was some crazy stuff going on there. <laughs> Eventually, dad brings home a coffee table made of concrete because that's the only way <laughs> right. that it's going to survive right. a collision with the Watt brothers. All right, let's take a break. When we return, more from the Patriots Raiders joint practices, including the latest on the New England offense. More PFT Live right after this. New England Patriots trying their best to get that offense ready to go. And Josh McDaniels, maybe maybe Bill Belichick would have liked to have, you know, stuffed him in a suitcase and took him back to New England with him after the joint practices in Las Vegas. But, you know, the reality is they're moving forward. And we talked earlier this week how Belichick is in charge of everything, and that's where Patriots fans should take some solace. But still, you remove an offensive genius like Josh McDaniels from the building after the first year of Mac Jones – it's going to potentially affect his development. It's going to be something that Jones has to get past. And we've heard a lot of positivity about Jones, including from Bill Belichick, who never praises anyone, especially during a season. It's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be one of the more compelling storylines of this season. And yesterday, Josh McDaniels gushing about Mac Jones. And, you know, it's, I mean, look, that, that's great. That's great. But, but McDaniels isn't there anymore. They got to go forward without him. And they got to make it work with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and Bill Belichick cobbling together an offense or simplifying the scheme. We've talked about that previously. They're trying to make it less wordy, easier for the players to digest. But that that is going to be, even though it's not a high-octane offense and really 
hasn't been since the Randy Moss, Wes Welker year with Tom Brady. It's going to be one of the most scrutinized offenses in all of NFL and in all the NFL. Chris. Yeah, you're right. It is. It's uh, we're all going to be watching. I mean, it's it's an amazing story. I mean, it's it's Josh McDaniels who's great, and now we got two guys who have never really coached the offensive side of the ball, coaching you know the quarterbacks and offensive coordinator, and you know Belichick's overlooking it all. So we'll see where it goes. But yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I I got my questions about it for sure. I one thing I don't have my question about though, to piggyback a little off of what you said and what McDaniels and Belichick said, it ain't gonna be Mac Jones's fault. It it won't be that. He's gonna be ready and smart and prepared. And it's just are they gonna be good enough to get some people open and, you know, produce for him to a degree? Because we know, yeah, he's not gonna make a ton of plays off schedule. He's not that guy. But but that's why it was great with McDaniels. That's why we thought, ooh, it could be great with Kyle Shanahan because you just go, wait, if you just coach this guy and get him open, he's going to do exactly what you say, and he's going to put the ball on the money and work the pocket perfectly. But that's that's the big question. Is there going to be people open? Is the offense going to have a nice flow and rhythm? I don't know about that. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be certainly one of the big stories of the NFL early on in the year. And, and another interesting comparison, even though they don't even play in the same conference, how Trey Lance does and how Mac Jones does it's year gonna be two. Compared. There's going to be right. some connective tissue there. 49ers fans are either going to feel pretty good about the fact that they drafted Lance or they're going to be lamenting kind of like they were last year when Jones ended up being so good as a rookie. That's when those stories that Kyle Shanahan really wanted Mac Jones when he traded up and got talked into Trey Lance, those are going to come back again. So that's another one of those keep an eye on how it goes for both teams because there will be some potentially useful discussion back and forth. Here's Mac Jones talking about his effort to work through the offensive changes with McDaniels gone and Patricia and Judge now having key roles in the New England attack. We've heard the word process a lot from Bill, and I think a lot of you players and others. Is is failure on the practice field, joint practice field, preseason game field, is failure a part of that process that you can accept as the quarterback of this team? Yeah, I think that failure is putting a label on something that's not the process. So, like you just said, we're just trying to focus on the process and not the result, and failure would be considered a result. So we're just trying to work through it all, and uh, like you said, it's, it's just doing the basic things better and, we can all do that. I can do that better. Um, just get the ball to the open guy and, and carry on to the next play. I think sometimes, you know, we don't need to overcomplicate it. It's football, and it's a simple game if you if you make it a simple game. So we're all trying to get there. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight, and we're making good progress. So that's all you can ask for. I love whenever I hear something like that because I really do think a lot of people in the game try to make it seem overcomplicated so nobody gets tempted to try to come take their job. Yeah, And I know that there are parts of it that are very complicated, but it, it, it ultimately is pretty simple. It's 11 on 11, and if you're going to throw a pass, right, if you're going to run the ball, it's simple. You block for the guy. And I know that there are more intricate blocking schemes and intricate running plays aimed at, at, at blowing holes open and letting a guy run through it. But for a pass play, is the first guy open? Is the second guy open? Is the third guy open? And how much time will I have? to make those decisions. That's basically what it comes down to. That's right. You know, and they got to find their process and how they're going to call the game and, you know, how, you know, again, we all know a lot of the NFL, they got a lot of the same plays. We know that, but it's, it's, you know, when you call them, you know, having a feel of what the defense is doing and the timing and rhythm of how you call it, the setup, right? I mean, making a play that, you know, you call a lot, dressing it up to make it look a little different, we're playing that mental game with the defensive side of the ball where they've given you this look and we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this and then, whoa, it's not that. You know, that's, that's what the, the geniuses do. So that, that's cool to see. And, uh, yeah, that was good. Good question by the three idiots at WEI. It's good that they can uh, have a real intelligent conversation. They're, they're really good there. I like them. It's good they're not in class and know how to be better humans. Direct all complaints to Chris Sims QB yeah, at Twitter, right? right uh, yeah, or, or 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 give them a call. Hey, listen, they're not making fun of kids or being number. disrespectful, right? Or do that, right? They're cool guys. There, they're idiots. They're idiots. Don't listen to that show. Joint practices yesterday between the Eagles and the Dolphins, but not today because there is an illness making the rounds, and it's not COVID. The whole store got the flu Crazy. in Miami. Stomach bug, vomiting, nausea, other things, probably. 
When you have a stomach bug, we all know what it's like to have a stomach bug. It's not pleasant. So out of an abundance of caution, they have canceled the joint practice today between the Eagles and the Dolphins. And look, I think it's smart. And and even though COVID became such a major thing 2020 and 2021, there have been stories every year of a team that's ravaged by the flu and they're traveling in two planes, the sick guys and the not sick yet guys. And then you worry about it being transmitted on the field. So that that's just part of football. You're pressing a bunch of guys together in confined spaces and certain germs are going to migrate from human to human. So no practice today between the Eagles and the Dolphins. They play a preseason game coming up later in the week, but uh, they won't be practicing today because the Dolphins have uh, a stomach bug and uh, hopefully it, uh, it, it makes its way through the team and clears up so it doesn't affect the preseason game coming up. I don't know what night they play, but it's it's coming at some point in the next few days. Yeah, no, it, it better be safe than sorry, certainly. And, you know, you know, at this point in the year, yeah, okay. Yeah, you'd love to have that, that practice time against another team. I mean, you talk about two rosters with battles of the Titans, clash of the Titans there. Holy cow. That would have been fun to watch. But, yeah, why why risk it? Why Why, you know, take the chance of, you know, who knows having to play what guys in the preseason now because people are sick or losing a few days of practice or preparation just because, hey, everybody was sick, but we were stubborn and we still went out and practiced against each other. I think it's a smart decision. I'm with you, Mike. Saturday night is the game, fortunately, for the Eagles and the Dolphins. Saturday, not Friday, it gives the Dolphins a little more time to work it through. And those of us who have had that stomach bug, I mean, the problem is usually it's a 24-hour thing, usually. Usually you you get it cleared out and everything's fine, but you still feel 24 to 36 hours afterward that you have been beaten up and dragged around and you're not back to normal right away. So that, that could be a factor, Chris, come Saturday night when Mike McDaniel was trying to figure out who can I play? Who can I not play? I I don't want to play my starters, but the backups are all right. They're, they're, they're know, all they're, sick. They're, they're and, all recovering know, the toilet, from the, right. the stomach bug. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even if they're even if they're better, they you know they may have lost ten pounds. I know. You know you. I mean, it's a when you go through that. Anybody who's been through it, it's it's an amazing and bad experience where you really are drained, and it takes a while to 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 get it back. I remember vividly the last time it happened to me, nineteen eighty nine. I remember how I felt. I remember how long it took me to feel normal again. The stuff that I ate before I got sick, I've never eaten again. Kind of like you and Bacardi. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's 1989? That was the last time you were like that? Damn. I mean, La- last time I had the... Stu- last time I had the both ends stomach bug. Wow. Okay. You yeah. know, the both ends. I know. I got you. Yeah, I've, I've been there. I was in Indianapolis yeah. with you the last time I had it. So <laughs> there it is. Boom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, geez. Fortunately, only one end uh, was happening there, right? We'd have been in big trouble <laughs> if I had to grab another garbage pail. <laughs> We'd have been in big trouble. Uh, I still, I still, you know, I think I've told you this. I mean, the best part of that day, other than that right there is I'm walking into the building and I'm throwing up in the bushes right outside the building and Matt Nagy and a few of his coaches are walking out and they're like, you know, I'm like, Oh, Hey coach, how you doing? And then, you know, just kind of continued on with like, and they're like, Hey Chris. Right. So, uh, and, uh, you know, I know I was a little critical of Matt Nagy. He was probably like, oh, I hope you keep throwing up the rest of the day. <laughs> and, and they probably just assumed you were hungover or still drunk. Yeah, maybe. That's You're right. What happens. You're right. You're right. I wasn't, though. Right. I wasn't. <laughs> Feats of strength not involving grabbing a trash can and running off screen from week two of the preseason. We'll take a look at those next on PFT Live. Simsisms. Great Scots. The Dolphins are one of those teams, Mike, that you just look at and you go, you know, great Scots. They got just studs everywhere. They really do. I think the saying's great Scott, not great Scott. Yeah, Scotch, Scots, whatever. Who cares? Great you know? Scotch. <laughs> great Scotch. Simsisms. Uh, uh, that's a good one. <laughs> well done. Well done, Simsy Walker. My English And, and as there. you. As you added at the time, you got off scotch-free. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Week three of the preseason begins tonight and Friday. 
and Saturday and then Sunday. I like it, but I don't because I never know who's playing when. Like, so I do like having it diluted a little bit, but it's virtually impossible to keep up with who's playing when. Yeah. But when the games are played, what are you watching for week three of the preseason? Right. It's overload on Saturday, to your point. That's what I like to see it a little more spread out. Saturday's going to be tough. It's like, holy crap, it's, it's a lot of football games on Saturday. But um, I, I think the first thing is one of the games tonight. There's no question I want to see Trey Lance. I do. You know, we got to see a little bit. The two drives in, in preseason game one, number one, I'm pretty sure he's going to play tonight. That's was That was the, the supposed plan from the get-go that yes. I think Shanahan stated. So, uh, yeah. Just the growth there, the continued look, and, and for the obvious reasons. I mean, we, everybody, 49ers have a Super Bowl team. You know, Trey Lance's development is going to be crucial to, to how far they can go or if they can reach that potential. And the lingering question with Jimmy Garoppolo, how long are they going to squat on him beyond August 30? Will it be into the regular season? Will they keep him around in the event somebody has a quarterback injury? And will it be Trey Lance at some point? Wouldn't that be the ultimate ending to the story? if Garoppolo ends up playing again for the 49ers because Lance has gotten injured. I'm looking at the Steelers quarterbacks Sunday night against the Detroit Lions because Mike Tomlin has made it clear that what happens in that stadium setting, that's another one of his buzzwords recently, how these guys perform in a stadium setting is very relevant to who the starter is going to be week one. And it has been Mitch Trubisky's job to lose all along, but Kenny Pickett has shown enough, I think, to make it a very difficult question as to which guy you go with and at the end of the day, I defer to Mike Tomlin, but he, 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 he is going to really have a couple of viable options. And it's going to come down, I think, to who shows better on Sunday night at home against the Detroit Lions. I'm with you there. That probably would have been my next pick. That's, that's a big one. It is. It's, it's been pretty good. Trubisky's done well. Kenny Pickett has done phenomenal. And then we have the offensive line issue there, too, where you wonder how much that plays into it. And do you want to throw the young kid out there first game in Cincinnati with that old line, you know, maybe not working great together as a unit? So uh, I'm with you. And even Mason Rudolph, to your point, with the Steelers QBs. You know, Mason Rudolph, from all due accounts, like I, I know Chris Mortensen said it on TV last weekend, he, he's going to get traded here soon. He, he's going to go somewhere. I think there's teams that look at like we need to upgrade in our backup, and I don't think Mason Rudolph will be there much longer. So it's another audition for him as well. Um, so that is definitely one of the the must watches of the weekend. I think and um, I don't think he'll get cut. I don't think he'll get cut because they gave him a pretty sizable signing bonus. So I agree with you that they may be looking to trade him, right? And that 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 cutting him would be the the last ditch scenario if they would even do that maybe they'd hold him into the regular season yeah then somebody gets hurt yeah i think else. that's a very real possibility definitely I'm, I'm with you there mike um yeah the, the other one I, I look at and i don't know if brady's playing i know they said there might be a chance he plays but i don't care if he does or not it's the bucks o line that i want to watch you know just the new parts in the middle we know the tackles are going to be good i mean worse i believe is still dealing with a little bit of injury at right tackle and Donna Bleak. Uh, what is it? Say that again. Oblique. He's got that's no right. Oblique. That's right. Oblique hasn't been practicing. Yep. So that, I mean, we're not going to see him and, and, you know, hopefully he's ready for week one. We know left tackle is good, but that interior part of the old line, I mean, there's, there's injuries, there's issues there. You know, Shaq Mason's the only guy there that you go, okay, hey, he's played and he's been shown some, you know, some, some good play throughout his career, but that's going to be big, especially when we know Tom Brady is not going to be able to scramble and move and do all those things at his age. Somebody tweeted recently that Akeem Hicks is wreaking havoc at practice. Well, yeah, all the all the interior offensive linemen are hurt, and of he's a beast, he is. right? And he's a yeah, he, he's, he's like, he, yeah, yeah. He so stays good, healthy. Good luck slowing him down with your starters. Uh, uh, yeah, that goes okay. into what Next we were talking about the week one matchup with the Cowboys. I mean, holy cow! You got to deal with Akeem Hicks and Vita Vea and uh, you know Tryon Smith and Shaq Barrett. Holy crapola, Batman! Seahawks quarterback battle mm-hmm. Friday night. At Dallas, Geno starts, Drew Locke gets plenty of playing time. What will we see? What will be there? What will allow Pete Carroll to make the decision on who his starter is going to be week one? And then at what point after Friday night do we actually find out who it is? So you have maximum opportunity to get the guy ready. They may, they may not make the decision after that game. They may hold it for another week until we get to Labor Day weekend and the preparations begin in earnest for the Monday night game. But I want to see what those two Seahawks quarterbacks do. I don't think Jacob Eason could make a rich strike run up the outside to take it. But but I 
So I just feel like they're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting for someone, and maybe Friday night we'll get an indication as to what's going to happen. Yeah, it, it does seem like nobody's really grabbed the the bull by the horns, really. There to where, yeah, it does seem like they're still very much undecided at this point. So we'll see where that goes. That's that's definitely a good one, and I'm I'm going to be watching that as well. I think the uh, the battle in New York is where I'll go next. You know, just because really more. I want to see Snoopy Joe Bowl. Yeah, I want to see Joe Flacco. I think that's that's the biggest thing, but also to something you brought up earlier in the show, there's the Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor, just the continued development of Daniel Jones in a new offense and all of that. So there's some interesting storylines in that game, but primarily we just want to see Joe, Joe Flacco with that first-team offense and see what he looks like you know, playing QB. You know, I, I've got a couple more on my list. I, I want to see what Baker Mayfield does as the as the starter. Now he's going to play definitely some for the Panthers right. this weekend. I want to see what happens with these Vikings backup quarterbacks now that Nick Mullins is there. I think Sean Mannion's going to get the short straw come next Tuesday. But tonight, and I, I, I'm not doing this for promotional purposes, but the reality is, Amazon Prime has its first game tonight. Oh. Up against an NFL Network game. Mm. NFL Network game starts at 8, I believe, and the prime game starts 8.15, 8.30. It's 49ers at Texans. So if you want to watch Trey Lance, you got to have Amazon Prime. How many people even know that the NFL games are going to be on prime this year on Thursday night? And Nielsen is going to do the ratings. First time ever a streaming service has had Nielsen ratings. I don't know what the numbers are going to be during the regular season. Amazon reportedly was telling sponsors they're going to get $12 million. You're not, I'm sorry, Amazon, you're not getting $12 million a game. You're not getting $12 million average per minute audience like the real number is projected for all of the networks. You're not getting $12 million. Tonight, I think it's going to be abysmal, especially with a game on NFL Network at the same time. I don't think... Many people are going to go searching for the 49ers-Texans game, and when those Nielsen numbers come out, I think people are going to be like, holy crap, is this a sign of things to come? No, it's not because it's a preseason game, but I still think they're going to be well short. I think it's going to be like five, six million at best for, well, the, for yeah. even the good games right. this year. And I think they know that. I know Amazon has a reason to hype it and pump it up and get more people interested, but I think, they, I think they're adults about this. They've traded – massive audience for massive money from this streaming reality that the NFL is now venturing into. Yeah, no, it, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Definitely. Yeah, in that game, you know, we know Rogers isn't playing. I don't know. If we, I haven't heard anything about Kansas city. So, I mean, if, and, and, and they played a lot, the starters in Kansas city where I could certainly see them not playing on this one. I'll be interested. Like if they're not playing, I, I'm, you know, again, I, I'm, I won't be watching that one a whole lot. I've seen enough of the the backups of the Packers here to have a good feel for that group, and you know, again, the 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 Chiefs, you know, not necessarily worried about that. So I would be tuned into one the 49ers and the Trey Lance, and you know, the other aspect of that is Davis Mills was absolutely horrible last week against the Rams. I mean, horrible. I mean, it was it was not a good look at all, and they got to be concerned. And that ties into the Jimmy Garoppolo thing we were talking about a little bit earlier there as well. So uh, I'll, I'm going to be having my eye on, on that game, I think, a little more closely than the Packers-Chiefs. If they want to talk to the 49ers, they will be in the building tonight. It's 8 o'clock Eastern on NFL Network for Packers-Chiefs. 8.15 p.m. Eastern is the kickoff for the first time ever, exclusively on Prime Video, and we'll see what the numbers are. Again, they won't be good. The question is, what will they be three weeks from tonight when it's Chargers Chiefs in the first ever exclusive primetime streaming only game. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. Former Packers and Browns center J.C. Treader announcing earlier this hour his retirement from the NFL. I didn't realize he was a tight end. He decided, as he explains in his retirement letter, that he was going to be an NFL player. In 2011, he had the exact moment of his epiphany. He knew what he had to do to get there, including becoming an offensive lineman. He did. Played for the Packers. Played for the Browns. Was one of the highest-rated centers in the NFL last year. Cut by the Browns. Joel Petonio recently suggested that maybe Treader's stance as loud, aggressive advocate for player safety as the NFL Players Association president may have gotten him blackballed. 
And he says he's going to double down on his work as NFLPA president now. He'll have a shelf life because you have to be actually playing. He can finish his term. He won't be able to run again if he's not actively seeking employment in the NFL. But he still can do some more good work in the remainder of his time as NFLPA president. And he has been very aggressive. He recently complained about the field conditions at Soldier Field. And I expect him to continue to do that. Now that he's not playing, he has even more time to devote to the broader effort of of protecting players, Chris. Yeah, definitely. He's 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 been strong with his approach. Definitely been a good good president from from that standpoint. No question about it. Um, not afraid to take some unpopular stands where you know, yeah, the owners and maybe some coaches don't like that you're saying this. I, I'm a little surprised. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I am, and I know there was you know there was the comments right that people thought he was getting blackballed, um, but. But also just, you know, he's still a damn good player. I mean, he really is. It, it wasn't one of these things where I was going, oh, yeah, it's coming to an end here. You know, oh, wow, I, I could see retirement happening. So uh, I am surprised, but either way, good for him. He had a great run. I mean, he was in the conversation for one of the best centers in football there for a little while. And, and look, there's something to be said for walking away. I remember when Robert Smith did it in t- 2001, people were stunned. Hey, you walk away while you can still walk, and you yeah. have a long life to live, and and uh, good for J.C. Treader. You have to want to do it, and if he's ready to move on, then That's he's right. making the right decision for him and his family. By the way, he also won't have to see this guy in practice anymore. Chris, this is what we were talking about during break earlier, and maybe this is the guy that would win every UFC belt at any weight class he would choose. <laughs> How did we forget My God. him? We're idiots for not putting him in the UFC. You're right. I think I he's going to come get you because you forgot him. <laughs> I'm going to tell him to come out. get Don't you. Don't go to Cleveland. See yeah. you tomorrow. See ya. Chris, see you not Monday. me.